Episode 20. We are in the uh, Trace Management uh, podcast studio. Trace Management mm-hmm. Engineering uh, graciously uh, gave us a space. We can, uh, yeah, the price was right. Yeah, the price <laughs> is right. Yeah. So we appreciate this is a sponsorship. This is the only way we've ever monetized this. But uh, Yeah, we're still waiting on all the whiskey sponsors, by the way. We've yeah, been putting right it out now, there. By the way, we're all enjoying a Maker's Mark uh, private reserve. So if Maker Mark is out there, you know, please you know, send more. Uh, sponsor the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go around the room and introduce everybody. Go ahead, Bobby. Okay, Bobby Patrick. Uh, kind of semi-retired. I retired uh, July 2020 from Encana, drilling manager for most of my career, and uh, retired here to be closer to grandkids. Yeah, how many grandkids do you have? I have seven. Seven grandkids. Three here and legend. four in Houston. Bobby, when you were in Encana, uh, Chesapeake had this program. It was really cool where they were taking engineers and they would go through a pipeline and go through production and drilling and completions and all that. Did you do that in Encamp? I didn't do that, but they, they do have a rotational program there. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a great, they had it up in Canada as well. I was up there for five years in Calgary. So mm-hmm. uh, it's, yeah, it is a great program, but they, yeah, they go uh, like three different disciplines over a couple of years mm-hmm. and kind of pick where they want to end up and, yeah, being at an engineering office, it's always a question. You get people that are highly specialized, but there's not a lot of jacks out there. And, uh, Max, I think we've talked about that in the past. There's mm-hmm. not a guy that understands reservoir, uh, you know, all the way to the production. Mm-hmm. Usually anymore, people are kind of stuck in their one road. They'll mm-hmm. be drilling engineers forever or mm-hmm. something like that. And they don't get to diversify, which is really bad in a downturn, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. you need to pretty much you need to know how to do production in a downturn or something to keep your job, it seems yeah. like. But. Yeah. What about our other distinguished guests in the room? Yeah. Better introduce yourself. Uh, Max Holloway, uh, currently the VP of Operations for RKI Resources here locally. And uh, been in the business for, this is my 42nd year, counting when I broke out uh, drum, uh, welding on workover rigs and okay. then uh, then roughnecking, um, you know, on those workover rigs that I made the year before. And then uh, ultimately uh, getting an engineering degree and and uh, going through my eleventh jersey change right now, you know, mm-hmm. it's a lot of companies. Would have oh, never have guess. thought that along the way. So yeah. when you first got into it, though, uh-huh. there wasn't private equity back uh, uh-huh. when you had the wooden derricks and everything like that, right? So, <laughs> well, it, we predated we predated the wooden derricks actually. <laughs> you know, there's a there's a picture in my office. Uh, it's from the twenties. And it shows the workover rigs back in the day where the derricks were there, like you're saying, the wooden derricks. And you just pull this tractor up, and it was kind of funny because it was there was nothing rubber on it. I mean, you just had like the just the uh, the blades there on the tires to get into the muddy locations, and and it had everybody standing up in front of the rig, and the, and the superintendent he had a tie on. That was back in the day when they had ties. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have ties in the field when I broke out, but it wasn't you know that long ago before that. So. So that superintendent throwing it over his shoulder when he was grabbing the tongs? Exactly, so then he caught in it. So. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what the first drilling contractor uh, that you went to work for was? Uh, gosh, there were, there was, well, that would have been Pride Well Service. Okay, so we were doing washdowns and things. Uh, we had, uh, most of our rigs were on wheels back then, and uh, that was a lot of fun. I had a, a picture of me on a rig, and my dad was standing next to it. And I've got that picture also of him when he broke out roughnecking in the 50s uh, with some of his family. And the pictures look noticeably different. Like, 
you know, you got the you got the, the you know the little son up there with next to the uh, you know Uncle Ralph, and nobody's got hard hats on, and you know he's walking around barefoot on a rig floor, and yeah, you know, just it was just truly old old oil field so. smoking. Oh, oh yeah. 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 yeah, drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I was I was blessed to have my dad take me to a lot of rigs when I, we were young uh -huh. in uh, Northwest Oklahoma. And, uh -huh. I mean, we had a great time in the summers. You know, we'd uh -huh. go out and uh -huh. he'd let us like pull the uh, either uh, motorcycles or you know four wheelers out, well three wheelers dating myself. Uh -huh. but, Go wherever we want, you uh -huh. know, and you say, "Hey, make sure you come back here in a couple of days." You know, so we go, <laughs> like you and your brother. See you later. We would take our motorcycles and try to ramp over the mud pits. Oh, awesome! Uh -huh. What about you, Bobby? Um, how did you get started in oil and gas? Well, I, I grew up in Crescent, just north of here, but I went to OSU, and uh, I was going to be a coach originally, and and then I was working in the oil field in the summertime, making more in the summer than what I would be making starting out as a coach, so I said, maybe I need to quit school or change my major. So I changed uh, to petroleum. and Then I went to, started out in Great Bend, Kansas for Energy Reserve Group. They were out of Wichita, Kansas, but didn't stay there long. Then, An operator? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, went on the operator side. And was so, that your first engineering job? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did they have you go through, like he was saying, you know, like uh, what was your first discipline that you're like, oh, this is what I want to do? Well, it was back then, you kind of had a, you were an area engineer, so you did drilling, completions, production facilities, reservoir. I even, when I was in Kansas, I picked two locations. I did some geology uh, on the anticline on the Arbuckle and drilled two wells, uh, Arbuckle wells. And, and so, yeah, you do a little bit of everything back then. Back then, Bobby, did you have a big old book that you monitored the production every day? I can't think uh, what it's called, but uh, big oh, old, the little oh, yeah, yeah, we had a, those big binders yeah. that, that we used to allocate. We used to figure up the allocation factors and do all the production of your area. Mm -hmm. You know, you're responsible. Yeah, you drew your own decline curve. That was before. Yeah. You plot your own production <laughs> yeah. against budget, so you knew where you stood. See, and it, I had this one uh, production manager, and he, uh, you know, if your curve was going down too far and or too fast, he would orient the book. He goes, "This is how flat it needs to get." You know, but, but it's, like, well, it's still the same numbers on the graph. But just like, uh, but that was the point. You know, they were always looking at that even back then. How long did those wells take to drill when you were first doing? Well, how deep were they? I mean, yeah. what, what, what was the the bore? Oh, it, you know, I can't even remember the casing design other than you drill down to like five feet into the Arbuckle because the big water drive reservoir mm -hmm. sets your intermediate string and then drill 10, 20, 30 feet of open hole because mm -hmm. uh, you produced a lot of, a lot of water with it. And I don't know, they were probably eight and five eighths, uh, so you might have been drilling. Nah, it was probably drilling like a six six and an eighth inch hole, so it could have been maybe seven inch. Oh. Yeah. So, go ahead. Uh, I, should, I was going to ask more of a broad question. Mm -hmm. uh, you guys are a wealth of experience. Where mm -hmm. have you guys worked? Uh, what assets? Where were they at? Mm -hmm. So we can kind of maybe look at the differences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah go ahead, Matt. Well, I, I broke out in, in, uh, uh, in Oklahoma, so my first I guess basins to work were all through the Anadarko Basin, both on the Oklahoma side and the uh, Texas Panhandle side, the deep Anadarko Basins. Um, then um, uh, things started contracting in the, the mid-80s. So the group I was with, Tenneco Oil Company, plucked about four of us out of the mid-continent and then uh, sent us down to Houston. 
in, in Houston, then we would have a technical liaison with two other people in Columbia. And that was during then, at that point, the late 80s. And the idea was when we'd send guys down there to live full time, they had a bad habit of getting kidnapped. And okay. so, yeah, so uh, we would take trips down there, but they were um, more uh, under the radar. What was but, the reasoning, do you think, behind the kidnapping of Americans drilling? Well, it's 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 just a money play. Yeah. Okay, it's it's a type of crime that they had down there in Colombia. Uh, you'd have a snatch team, uh, and then they would hand you over to somebody else, and then you typically would have like a judge, a corrupt judge, negotiate on behalf of the the captors, and then you know our policy was uh, we didn't negotiate with um, with kidnappers, and so we lost. Uh, we, we had to get him, uh, Mike Stewart, get kidnapped in the. Uh, um, later part of 1985, he was there for four months, and uh, uh, we got him back during uh, right before Christmas. Okay. So it cost oh, wow. a million bucks. So they did end up paying. Yeah, we did end up paying. Titico did end up paying, but uh, our stance was we don't, right? So when I showed up to work there, you know, they ran me through security, and, and uh, you know, they said, take your shoes off. And I go, why? And they said, well, we're going we're gonna to fingerprint your feet also. And so I had both my, all my hands, palms, oh, and my feet, my fingerprints. I don't think it paid was. Well. I mean, like if you no. don't, if you, you already know their state, why, yeah. no. their, their standpoint is we don't negotiate with terrorists. So if something happens, good luck. Yeah. You know, yeah. That, yeah. I'm gonna look for another job. Your feet or your hands. <laughs> well, I was I was such a company man back then. Okay, so you got to think, 1983 when it broke out. I mean, I was I was there to work on that for that company forever. You know, that's just how things were about that time. It wasn't until the late 80s when, or the mid 80s, actually 86 when crude oil hit, you know, it's, it's rock bottom at less than $8 a barrel. And did, did, did the character of the business atmosphere change in which it put people on continuously short cycles? So I look back at my career and, and I've been in it for quite a while. And long term is nothing but been a series of short terms. And so that was the first one. After uh, 1989, they sold off broke Tinico oil up into uh, a handful of pieces because of a whole different bizarre uh, deal with the, at the corporate level. I uh, got in too much debt building tractors. Uh, a J.I. Case was trying to overrun, uh, take, uh, take the, the market share away from John Deere globally. Okay, Just, that kind of tractor, not an oil and gas tractor. <laughs> no, it's that kind of tractor. Yeah. So <laughs> a greedy accountant at the tractor side of our corporation basically forced the crown jewel of Tinico to be sold. But the interesting thing when that happened was, we sold off in seven different pieces. All of a sudden, my network went everywhere. Okay, I knew people throughout the entire industry at that point, and that was one of the, the, the good things. You know, you talk about the networking here before we started. You know, on Wednesday. so right. you're building your network. You know, you're just building your network, and that unfortunately was a painful way to start, but it but it it, it continued to work out. But other than that, uh, so Columbia, uh, Midcontinent, uh, significantly have had uh, West Texas, East Texas. Every basin in Oklahoma, mid-continent, uh, and up in the powder, and so uh, in some Rocky Mountain experience. So, have you drilled overseas since Columbia? Uh, in Columbia, my role was a production engineer over there, and uh, so yes, we did have wells that were being drilled. They were shallow wells, uh, five thousand foot uh, perforatum, and they'd be flowing twelve hundred barrels a day. Ooh, is that offshore or onshore? I was onshore. On shore, Magnolia Valley. And How the, did they have the infrastructure way back then for oil and gas? I mean, heck, we have a hard time, you know, right here getting you know parts and equipment. Oh, it, oh, it was definitely a challenge. Definitely, old, what I would consider classic uh, exploration. You've got a, a field in the middle of nowhere. You've got to build a pipeline in there to get your product out. You've got to build a production camp. Okay, we, you know where you actually bring people in. The people are living there. Um, yeah.
It's the whole whole shoot match. Max, maybe maybe you or Bobby can answer this. It's something that's plagued me since I got into the real oil field. When I say the real oil field, I was actually out on the rig. Mm -hmm. why, why can't you guys put these oil fields, you know, in Florida? <laughs> why can't they be uh, down the street from? I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> it gets to a point where you're like, there's a Walmart, so I'm in a real town. You know, yeah, yeah. it's it's not because numerous people haven't tried. Yeah. Trust me, every company that I've been around that has had any type of wherewithal is exploring for for oil and gas onshore around Destin. Okay, that's just all Jay, I got to say. Jayfield <laughs> in the Florida Panhandle. Yeah. Yeah. Exxon had that. Yeah. And did, did, how was the production on that? I wonder. Okay. Good enough. I think it was. I think it was very high pressure. Yeah. There's some smack over fields down there. Yeah. As we get into Alabama and things like that along the coast. They so. may have been the first thirty thousand psi tree that that Co Gray built. It was down in that smack over Mississippi, Florida area. Is smack over? Is that a, a play or is that an expression? <laughs> what it? So it's, 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 Below the Hainesville, <laughs> Sour, Jackson, Jackson, Mississippi, Shell did a lot of wells, and yeah. they were high, 30, 35% H2S. So it's nasty. Very, very it's sour. Nasty. Why is that geology like that there? Just, uh, you know, it's uh, you know when you think of the the H two S type uh, concentrations in these different formations that you have, uh, usually it's some type of a deep seated uh, fault that goes down and connects you into a much deeper basement rock and the igneous rock that comes up. You know, that's more connected. So you know, you take a look at some different plays through Oklahoma and and the different places, and that's typically what the reason is: deep seated faults that go pretty you know into much those, deeper basement. Uh, those, uh, that casing has uh, lasted the test of time with all that HUS in there. They think they are abandoned wells over there are a little bit more dangerous than ours. <laughs> If you're not set up for it, it's going to bite you. Uh, right? so, yeah, it would have failed by now. Yeah, yeah. Were you guys, Bobby, they were probably pumping the H2S back down? Or what were they doing? No, they were they were drilling for the gas. Mm -hmm. and, well, what did they do with the H2S? Just, well, they had sulfonol or Slexol or whatever kind of treatment plant that they were stripping it out. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I, I don't know if Mississippi had elemental sulfur, but, you know, just south of there, Mobile Bay, uh, well, that was Mobile Field, but Marianne Field, they they had high H2S, but they were also getting elemental sulfur mm -hmm. uh, when wow. they produced mm -hmm. the gas, so, which is... Is that where the money can, Yeah, that's where a lot of the money can, back then, could have been on the sulfur. So mm -hmm. you've seen the safety culture of our industry exponentially grow and start um, taking care of the people. Would we say that there's a difference between, so you've been very large entities, Max, for the most part, would you say you've been in smaller uh, startups? Um, yes and no. I've worked for the biggest corporation, corporation in the world, and I've worked for the smallest. Okay. And I've worked for Exxon, and I've worked for myself. Yeah, it's and I've worked for a number of in between. You know, I was uh, one of the um, uh, area uh, division VPs for range resources. We had four divisions at the time as they continued to migrate through. And so, you know, we were part of that uh, uh, 1510 club, which was... Uh, more than $10 billion market cap and the 15% uh, uh, return, excuse me, 15% growth rate line of sight. That was for a window of time years ago. Okay, so um, that was a pretty big outfit back then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty big. And Range Resources obviously discovered Marcellus. I wasn't involved in that division, but uh, they became more of a pure play as they worked all their divisions out of the portfolio to become uh, just the uh, Marcellus gas play. And, and, um, and then they chose to then reverse course and, and uh, grab another $4 billion asset uh, memorial production that they uh, tried to work over there in Louisiana. And so uh, not as successful with it as they were in the Marcellus, so they went ahead and, and uh, 
and offloaded that. So. Yeah. Gas yeah. prices the way they are now, all those old, you know, just huge gas plays like you were talking about. You think they'll come back? You know, people will start looking at those areas again as you know, really uh, interesting to go back and either work over old wells or drill new ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, Bobby. Why didn't we go back to the spec over? Why is that not a major play? And if you're you're talking 30, about how 30, big that is, thirty thousand MCF is, you know, like that's what I want to go after. Only reason I knew about those, I I was at. Uh, was Energy Reserves, and they got bought out by BHP, which a couple months later bought out Monsanto. So I, I was involved in the Madden Deep up in Wyoming, Lyside area, and it was 12% H2S, 19 CO2, elemental sulfur, 450 degrees. Hmm. You know, we had to run Hastelloy C276. Back then, it was $700 a foot. You know, it was just we did a lot of metallurgical testing, yeah. but. That those wells are still yeah. still producing. They were Madison, Mississippi, Madison. But you know, talking about H two S, usually anything below Cretaceous. When I was up in Calgary, everything up there is sour. Mm -hmm. You know, five. You're talking five to ten percent. Most of the formations we were drilling. But I think with with this ESG and zero. Yeah. Neutral carbon, I think gas, natural gas, will probably outlast oil. I would would be my speculation. I think that's the bet right now. Is the well, gas is the long term play? Well, right. when you take a look at it, this year, some for are forecasting that this will be the peak gas production for the United States to this point. In other words, this in 2022, we're going to be making more gas than we ever have at any time annually. So. Um, that is what's thing. going to be. So I finally found out, I, uh, everybody that's been in the studio, and Jeremiah and I have asked around, but we were looking for how many wells are actually you know, on the books as producing wells in the United States right now. And it's about a million wells. That's, that's wow. what the, wow. yeah. We have Active in the United books. States on the books as a producing well mm -hmm. that they're tracking about pretty close to one million. You guys are not producing. They don't really have to make a profit or yeah. uh, net positive. No, it's, heavy, heavy look, it's, it's all the way from, it, it shows every yeah. single operator's yeah. wells that they have on the books that it's producing, yeah. that's feeding that data, but it's from, you know, the one barrel a day mm -hmm. up to, you know, the thousands of barrels. But I can tell you, I got a letter from Texas this month and they are going to start having a better idea of their producers and the size of them. So yeah. the operators that uh, run in Texas now have to Submit to the not the EIA, but their uh, ERCOT mm -hmm. as uh, you know very important wells that must keep keep online. And they drew the line at 15 MCF a day. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So now you have to report those because those are now national security wells. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I shouldn't say national security. I'm saying the wrong word, but they're important to ERCOT or mm -hmm. to the state of Texas. Mm -hmm. To in the event of what happened last year. Mm -hmm. So they were kind of caught off, off basis last year. They didn't know where their producers were. So now they're trying to get a better idea of what wells and where they're at that are providing the most uh, gas production. Mm -hmm. And that's what they cared about, too. It asked if they were designated as oil wells, but they wanted to know how much gas was coming off of it mm -hmm. for the, the grid, mm -hmm. for the electrical yeah. system. Yeah. Or not even coming off gas. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, you had asked a question I thought was an extremely profound one that probably needs a little bit more to dig in. Okay, so, and that was, are we going to get back to, to, you know, producing some of these wells or getting into old plays? So you've got to think of the character of what has happened over the decades. You know, we have always gone after reservoir rock. 
until a few decades ago. Mainly, you know, Mitchell Oil down there in the Barnett got us going with the resource play. That has been a number of years ago, yes, but we have all these conventional-oriented reservoirs that we were milking along for years and years and years. So the one thing about those type of plays is, is that when they're depleted, you're just waiting on the source rock that's either above or below or that's migrating and feeded to do that. Well, in man years, I mean, that's millions of years, right? So that's why we jumped up in the source rock and we're beating it to it. And so we have a much better chance at going and getting more gas where we've already found it. Max, can you, yeah. real quick, before you run along, uh -huh. uh, explain the difference between a conventional uh -huh. uh, play and a non-conventional? Okay, so in, in general, uh, a conventional play is what we typically think about where the rock is sandstone or some type of carbonate. Uh, it's got some type of reasonable porosity. It's got some type of... Uh, What's reasonable porosity? Oh, uh, shoot. Uh, just in, in the past, we used to call that like 6%. Now, you have rocks that produce less than that, and, and porosity is a lot more than that. So if it's conventional, we typically have drilled them vertical. We've drilled them space till we've uh, recovered the reserves. Unconventional, even though that word, I mean, you can look and you can find five different um, definitions by five different guys, but basically you're chasing the source rock or you're t chasing really tight reservoir rock, all right? So we have now focused mainly the source rock and not tight reservoir rock because we want to go where the goodies haven't migrated into the reservoir rock yet. So in general, that's a pretty loose uh, definition. I'm sure your, your listeners are going to say, ah, you know, mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's not really what it is that says this, this, and this. But when I think of unconventional, I think about going to the source. There's controversy in here. Some people actually, like, respond to all this stuff. Do you disagree with that? That's great. Yeah. Well, years ago. Yeah, contact Max directly. Yeah. We'll put his number up here later. And send him hate mail. Yeah. You know? It's right here at uh, Trace Management, by the way. <laughs> you know, have you ever seen a sign that had the thumbs down? I mean, I'm looking at these Absolutely. different yeah, mojos, <laughs> uh, you, but, you, but you just don't give them a choice. You know, you the thumbs. People watch these, you know, videos, and they just comment on just Jeremiah and the way we look. Yeah, like across your legs. Or they're interested more in that deer head. I kind of assume when we have this one issue, I'm going to come alongside of you to make sure we get through it fine. Is you build trust with another. Another one could be is that they're uh, they've been around the organization a while, but they haven't done a certain type of a job before. So for that one thing, you come alongside of me. So okay, look, you know, you're going to get your feet wet on this. And I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to give you just enough rope. Uh, feel snug, but I'm not going to let you hang yourself. So Max, where are you yeah. at in that? So you got a, the email yeah. chain coming up, and you got uh, the field level sending mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. sending in their reports, and you're seeing something. Mm -hmm. Are you responding to the field level, or are you making sure your engineer below you does? Oh, absolutely. Always respect the uh, the reporting chain hierarchy. Chain. Yeah. So you can. Uh, I, I've always had this uh, saying that you can talk to anybody about anything. As long as it's not con as long as it's not confidential, and you respect the decision making hierarchy. So there has been times where if I can't get a hold of a hand, I see something going on. Just just like Bobby, you just got to kind of monitor. You got to be engaged, fully fully engaged, not just engaged, but fully engaged mm -hmm. with these burn rates that we have. It's just amazing how quick money can get away from you, and and destroy the end result. But if you see something, I have called up people a number of times at all different levels. Mm -hmm. And that also lets them know that there's multiple eyes on it. But I will say, as, as executive in oil and gas, okay, well, this is what I'm thinking, but I'm going to get a hold of so-and-so and, -so and uh, let it work through the chain of command. That's the hard part. That's no. the hard and part that, when you don't jump that, that because... ride with your, your 
person be low you their decision, right? Yeah, if you want to, if you want to build, if you want to build a relationship, otherwise you just turned it, you just took it away from them, and they're not going to. You did. Go ahead. Sorry. So that's why that's I choose micromanaging in a bad side. in a negative way. Mm -hmm. So micromanaging, it could, it just depends on how you frame it. If you let people know ahead of time of what you're doing, they're going to say, okay, well, he trusts me, doesn't think I'm an idiot. You know, otherwise I wouldn't, I don't employ idiots either, you know, right? So, but it, it gives them a chance of, of learning with confidence instead of feeling like, you know, it's not a distrust. All right, Max, the second time that comes up, mm -hmm. do you let them handle it on their own? Possibly, it depends on the situation, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, I'm well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah it's what's Ronald Reagan saying, trust but confirm or? Trust but verify. 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 That, that was Donald yeah. Rumsfeld. No, wait Yeah, no. Rumsfeld. On the CIA. That's older than that. I thought that was from uh, well, then, World War II. Then he, then he plagiarized. And but I remember Rumsfeld saying that on TV, you know. Yeah, yes. Trust but verify. But I, I had a kind of a org chart or decision tree um, chain of command because you got the engineers calling the rig and telling them, the supervisor, drone supervisor, what to do. But you got field superintendents either in the field or in the office. I don't want the engineer going around the superintendent. It's got a, you can talk to the drone supervisor, but just on discussion of information. But if you make, don't give them any orders. You want to give orders, you got to go through the superintendent. So you got a dotted line engineer to the rig, but the superintendent's really the, the solid line that makes the final calls. And I've worked with some good engineers that did that. It's a directional hand when mm -hmm. we weren't getting build rates or something like that. So we would all go into company manager trailer. Mm -hmm. It was a conver conversation where the engineer was speaking. Now, I didn't really ever have any superiors mm -hmm. outside of the drilling engineer. There was no one higher, but it was a conversation where we all discussed it. And uh, Mike Lins, uh, Lindsay, mm -hmm. Mike Lindsay, I think is actually he said. He was at Chesapeake. He was a great guy. He was a higher uh, real. Huh? Mike Lins as chaperone now? Yeah, 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 he is. But he was a he was a, uh, ex-military, but he really understood chain of command. And I was on a well in Alfalfa County, and that's how we went into the room. And it was my first time leading the job right, as a directional man. We're sitting there, and it was a conversation between all of us, and it was very well handled. Mm -hmm. And I've been in scenarios where it's very poorly handled. But Mike was like, uh, "All right, what is your opinion, directional hand, as well as company man?" And then. We made a choice, but it was very well handled. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of top-down that mm -hmm. didn't go well. It, it's, a, it's a very difficult thing to do as a manager to not micromanage, to empower your people, but to make sure your influence is still in there. So, it, yes. it, it takes a while. I mean, you give can't, them, you, some leaders... Rope to give them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, some people say that uh, leaders aren't born, they're made. And I, I'm more of that. They have the characteristics of being able to lead, but I think there's some training that's involved there, mm -hmm. too. So you it helps you. When you got to that point to where, like, man, I'm, I'm at the, I feel like I'm, because I'm right there right now for myself, like, okay, I'm at one of the highlights and peaks of my career. Uh -huh. Now I can start giving back to others and <laughs> I can reach down below me and bring people up and give them all of my knowledge and brain dump into them. Yeah, so invest now. in them. Like, yeah. where did you find that for yourself? Where well, you must have had a bad experience at some point. Like, all right, I'm doing too much. I'm going to take a step back. Yeah, I need to, I need to delegate some of this. Well, you know, like I said earlier, short term is nothing more than, excuse me, long term is nothing more than a series of short terms. So I think depending on what chapter you look at, where I'm at, I've been uh, in some incredibly small startups just two chapters ago. It was just me and a tech, and we, you know, I, I prospected, drilled, got ready, uh, drilled. Uh, completed, equipped, produced, and then we we turnkeyed it. Or excuse me, we we then uh, sold it uh, to a local operator after we built it up. So it's a classic PE flip. 
as one of the last ones Everything in tour. Worked out according to plan. Yeah, in 2017. So you actually got that experience of like, oh, that's the perfect one. Yeah. We could have seen it go worse, but yeah. So you know, in that, there's nobody to look at but myself. You know, then turn around, that came right off the hills of of, uh, of managing 150 people, and so there are some things there that that are, are challenging, Jeremiah, um, on how far you let, how far you lead, who you lead, and how you do it, and. But you never ask anybody to do anything you wouldn't do yourself. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. So just went from you know sitting in the corner office to you know trying to mount, man, delegate and, and encourage and, and lead, and then went out on my own and you know just did 100% of it all. Yeah. So yeah, you got to be perfect. Bobby is like the first time. Do you remember the first time like you just there was a major problem going on and you got this like hey I've got this all my people below me me and them have this. Is there any been a time where there's somebody above you, you're like, hey, listen, I got this. Let me let me tell you I've got this, and let me and my people handle it, and we'll bring back the results, and you win. You know, the win, the big win. You got that? I remember uh, when I went to El Paso, and, well, El Paso by now coastal, and I was uh, I went to a director of South Texas, and had a new manager that just started, and... Uh, we were drawing well down Vicksburg, well down in South Texas, and I think it was his first couple of days or week. And he called me middle of the night, and he said, "I think you better take this one over." And he said, uh, "I said, okay, what kind of pressure?" Took a kick, drilled into your boss let you take a kick and still drilled into depleted interval, and had a a virgin interval above, and his Exxon was draining it, and uh, he said, "Oh, it's got." 8,900, and I said, is that 8,900? And he said, yeah, that 8,900 pounds on the backside. I said, oh, I'll take it over. <laughs> but uh, luckily it bridged. <laughs> but but no, I think, uh, you know, you, so, we're mean, dealing that, with that's people. A that's a pressure for me, too. You know, like right now, like I'm doing fire suppression units, and sometimes, you know, we're, we're all in this mix. I'm like, our equipment is possibly going to save lives. So this decision we're going to make about this component is going to do this. You know, like, we're all in a room where we all agreeing, you know, but also, like, some people disagree, like, use this, it's going to work, that's the way we have to do this. I'm just, you know, anybody above me, just trust me on this particular time. Yeah, so. yeah and talking about handling people, I always, not always, did all, didn't always do it, but, you know, you want to follow the golden rule of being treated like, mm -hmm. uh, Treat other people like you want to be treated, and I always at times have to, you know, don't want your emotions to lead. So you got to be able to control yeah. your emotions in in critical situations mm -hmm. and and not, uh, you know. But it, it is a we're all pretty kind of about this empowerment. It is, and it. you know, engineers aren't trained to be managers or leaders, right? So, but you guys are thrust into it. And drilling's a risky business, so yeah. you're going to have failures. You're going to have well control, you're going to have stuck pipe, but you know, that's where you learn too. I'm always confused and, uh, by this, by the way. Like, it, it seems like we've been doing this a long time. And even if we just talk about horizontals, we've been doing it for 20 years now. And, but there's still all these problems like where something was missed. And you guys as managers got to be so frustrated with your contractors. It's like, this is ridiculous. You just cut the rope on this uh, darn crack. Uh, uh, I had an experience recently, but it's a very difficult. <laughs> And the, to see the same failure points. Yeah, Mito. Mito. Oh, yeah. Mito. I didn't, Mito. I'm, I'm learning your new company's name. Mito. 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 Mito.
Marital resources. But it, it's very difficult to, uh, you're empowering these people, but then you see the same failure mode. Mm. They would think you're paying these contractors a fair amount of money, a, a great, great amount of money, and you're... Well, then, then that alerts you that, well, maybe you need to make a change. I know, know it, but that's a very expensive that change. That comes from, like, a, you know, the, the second, like, something hits you in the guts, you're like, okay, I'm going to make a change right now. A big well, company you, and you, small company then you, you, then you tell them that ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, let's say two companies ago. Yeah, so I, I show up, you know, we pre-spud meeting, go, guys, I've handpicked every one of you. I love every one of you. I've been around most of you. But unfortunately, when we TV this well, some of you aren't going to be here, Okay. Do you just said that? You, oh, yeah. Yeah. I just I said that. And the reason why you won't be here is because you're going to put hands out there that are turning the other way and they're not engaged. Mm -hmm. But if you're engaged with what we have, if you have, um, uh, you're buying into what we're doing, everybody has GS or job stop authority. No, no problem on that at all. Um, but we are going to work this direction. We're going to do it cost effectively. And so everybody has the intent of doing that right off the bat, but whether they're overloaded or they had some of their ace hands left, I mean, there's a million reasons for a, a directional company or a drilling company or whatever. I can't run the drilling company off with a rig over the hole, but then that's usually the case. See, and, and you just like, you let them go once and say, okay, guys, this is our do-gooder talk. Here we have, do we understand exactly what went wrong? Yeah. You can't run somebody off on the first try unless it's really egregious and it's, fraudulent or to be so careless that you just have you have to do that i just don't think there's but, that many yeah. industries that run off people in the middle of a multi-million dollar experience but it's very common in oil and gas especially well, for directional companies you brought up but bobby would say the same thing it's always painful. first to mind is the directional or mud or the yeah, because you don't know what you're going to get in return it yeah. may yeah. you may not oh yeah the devil you know right yeah so yeah. but it, they're always run off, or there's always this fear of being run off mid-job. Yeah. And it's got to be, you got to have several failure points there. That yeah. Just just doing it on the first, depending yeah. on, like you say, what well, how egregious it is. But there's usually no animosity when that happens. So, mm -hmm. you know, you explained it. They know where they failed. They stubbed their toe. Okay, I got to go. I got to go. So it, it's, it took me, you know, to mature in my sales and business development, mm -hmm. you know, role as if something terrible happens and I do get run off, that's a building experience to improve the next time and appreciate those, you know, opportunities to go, man, guys, here's what we can do. Let's go nail this next time. Mm -hmm. I, don't know, the, the, I was run off one job, uh, and I can go into detail if you guys care. But as a directional hand, I was the, uh, the night hand. I was run off of one, off of Goober 12 or something. Goober drilling. Yeah. Dating yourself. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> I was the night hand, and it was the first night there, and uh, the MWD hand, and I'm just drilling ahead. We're in the lateral, and uh, the gamma spikes, and the MWD hand, unfortunately, it's his first night too, and uh, you know they said, well, you got to have a zone, and they ran me off. That was the first and only time it ever happened, but I was super butthurt. Oh, <laughs> it God. was... I was like, F that company, F everybody. But yeah. it's a hard thing. And I'm just, it, it seems like. Her. He's so stoic about yeah. those things. Like, he's just like, he's just I don't think anyone has ever re referred to me as stoic, by the way. <laughs> more on my sleeve. Like, oh, no. But it, it, it hurt a lot. And uh, it, it just seems like directional and mud. Uh -huh. The ones that come to mind, because I'm on the uh, drilling side, uh -huh. that it's very easy to run off uh -huh. these companies. Is this beer always in the back pocket. Like that, you could be run off if you do anything, even if you try to do better. But like if you fuck up or sorry, uh, mess up and yeah. 
Well, I think that's a leadership issue for the company you work for, mm -hmm. because I don't know, I'm sure Bobby didn't lead that way, I know I didn't. No one should ever live under the fear of losing their job mm -hmm. for making a mistake that just happened, maybe because of out of their control or bad judgment. I never allowed that to happen. And now, if they totally didn't care, if, as long as they were fully engaged, mm -hmm. if they were disengaged and, you know, out to lunch, my question usually was, what's going on in your life right now? Okay. Really? Yeah, tell me about what's going on with you, because mm -hmm. this isn't the person that I, I, I thought I hired, or this is the person that I've known over the past one month, six months, ten years. What's going on with you, you know? And just listen to what they have to say. That's a very good point. We need to know. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, so, you guys are running companies, so you can't care about you know, one individual. You do, but that's why yeah, no, both you do. Both of these two yeah. are in Max, how can you possibly here. monitor that with he trying does. to make your bottom line, and the dude is not engaged? It's about. Okay, yeah. Well, so, uh, so I'm just going to say, uh, you know, when I was running range uh, locally, 100 people in the office every day. Old acronym, management by walking around. Okay, I had developed that decades ago. I would walk around every sing, every hallway, and I would affirm people by calling them by their first name. I wouldn't necessarily talk to everybody every day, but I would just because it would take forever, right? But I'd go down and talk to intentionally talk to one or two people in each hallway, ask them how their kids are doing, ask them whatever, you know, and just and just because I genuinely cared about them. Okay, so yes, it takes some effort. And that shows. And, yeah, and it and it means that you work an extra hour at night because you worked an hour there or whatever it is you don't keep track of what it is but yeah you got to invest in your people you know otherwise it's going to be tough for them to mm -hmm. you got to do what it takes to invest in your people that goes back to, so for the last you know like five minutes of this what uh this is really at the end of the day this is a management you know oil and gas podcast like what has you know what what do you think we could do better in oil and gas no, let's try. So Max and I, and to build off of that, yeah. but I think I have a better way to, to facilitate it for you guys. So Max yeah, and I were talking a little bit a uh, while back, and Max told me that <laughs> the best way, no, to engage in, uh, Max, how do you find employees? How do you find employees? That, yeah, there's a lot of people listening there. They have a, I've, in the last couple of days, I've had like 10 people send me their resume uh -huh. and say, hey, put this out to all of your contacts. Well, yeah. Bobby, Matt. yeah. Okay. So I think it, it, as far as the statistics, I'm keeping them around. Is that what you're talking about? Well, yeah, we, yeah, we yeah, talked yeah. about it like a couple weeks ago. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So you know, uh, bottom line is, is uh, when there's a number of things going on, like let's say at range, we would offer a, a head bounty uh, or bounty for a referral that we actually hired, because when you take a look at it, it wasn't that it was all that much money. I think it was about a thousand bucks. Okay. But the thing about it is, a three-year look after um, uh, somebody comes on board. If you if they were sponsored by somebody or mentioned by somebody because they knew that individual, they would kind of already put their reputation on the line a little bit. Ninety percent chance of lasting three years. If it's, no, no, will you say it one more time? Ninety percent chance of lasting three years if, if, if they were referred. If they were referred for that position, yeah, for that position. Whereas if they if we did a open. Um, uh, just open solicitation and people, you know, mailed their uh, emailed their resumes in. And we interviewed them. If nobody knew that person and could vouch for them, it was less than fifty fifty. Okay, mm -hmm. so you almost two xed. Okay, your retention rate after three years. Mm -hmm. Oh, networking. What's that? Yeah, what's the the right what, what is your experience, Bobby? You're employing. You said you had six engineers under you uh, when you were in Houston. I, I assume you had more when you that, were in Denver. How many? Yeah. What's the most? Had you hired? You've had ever? What's the most amount of people you've had underneath you at one time? Right, eight, eight, well, I guess when when I was the team lead of drilling at MCBU, it 
with everybody, it's probably 50 or 60 years. How'd you hire? I did, like you heard Max, he's trying to the bounty on my, not bounty, but he's saying we're gonna encourage want, want your friends, yeah. yeah. And like because the presumably the employee is telling them, hey, this is what it's like to work for Max mm -hmm. or Bobby or what. I mean, we, even when it was busy, you still had to. A lot of times, you couldn't always rely on networking or well, you, would, you would hope you could, but sometimes you go through a firm or or just get resumes, but but you need to follow up on those resumes to find out because I have seen many is I always looked at gaps you know I and I didn't have a, a gap in my resume till yeah there's no more July gaps. By yeah, the way, but if you have a gap in your resume put consulting engineer in that gap like, no, 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 no. founder founder hundred dollars secretary of state get you an LLC founder of so-and-so Holloway resources LLC it's like a variable real estate, man. Or, it's just saying you weren't idle. Yeah. That's what you're looking for. Yeah. But, but even field people, supervisors, night guys, day guys, they work out better if if you go through a consulting firm and get one. If if somebody, if the superintendent or another supervisor or an engineer knows somebody, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's going to be a lot when, higher. If when they, Max told me that, it kind of blew my mind. Mm -hmm. right? And that's hence yeah. why I want to bring it up and talk about it today. Because mm -hmm. the retention rate if by referral, which, you know, I'm always rooting for the underdog. Mm -hmm. So how does this guy that got his degree from, you know, Virginia or somewhere else that is not Texas, so mm -hmm. you may not know him. Mm -hmm. But you want them to be able to come in. But it makes so much sense mm -hmm. because the, the people that already worked with Max know his idiosyncrasies mm -hmm. and how he operates everything mm -hmm. so, and that's not that's that's other industries as well sure. yeah my it, son's in the hotel restaurant business and saying you could get him into one well, gas yeah and let me yeah <laughs> let me also say that you know it works for layers right so even though i was running the organization the frontline positions they might have one layer or supervisor and then another manager so it's it's the personality of the individuals but it's mainly the corporate culture okay mm -hmm. That's the type, you know, work hard, play hard, or or uh, forgiveness, or you know, whatever the culture is that you're trying to shape. The the, the same culture, though. Do you think where you're like built toward, like, hey, we are all uh, here to do hard work? Let's go. No, I mean, no. it's it's really conveyed differently. But, uh, uh, yeah. How many operators in the U.S. right now total? Well, so uh, 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 two thousand. Yeah. There's like close to two thousand in Houston. Two hundred here. Two hundred like yeah. this operator like you go so. Every single culture completely different. Well, it's kind of like, you know, from my perspective, I had three kids raised in the same house. Ex expectations of, of, were the same for each one of them, but their discipline packages were different. In other words, you can go after a certain type of culture that you're trying to do, but you got all these moving parts that go around with it. There are some people that just simply are just... Yeah, just there for the money, okay? They're going to drive their employees that way. And there's others that... What's the difference? Different. What do you think the difference is? Well, it's just because your, we're all motivated by money, right? We'd well, be doing something else. Maybe you'd be painting. I've taken jobs yeah. with less pay just because I wanted to be. I when I went to Coastal, well. I wanted to go there because they had 50 rigs running, and I wanted to be busy. And so job security. Job, That's why you picked that one. Well, or just learning. Job, oh, yeah, okay. job satisfaction, satisfaction, right? Satisfaction. Yeah. That's it. All right, because there's a number of things that go into that. Of course, all my stuff when I got my MBA probably isn't applicable today like it was back in the 80s when I got my MBA. But back then... A person they showed that a person will go will forego up to twenty five percent of their total compensation package if they enjoy going to work every day versus not enjoying it. 
So I take a pay cut. I was called and said, hey, would you take a pay cut and stay with our company? And I sure as heck did for 25% less. I'll tell you, I've done yeah. something similar, but it was uh, light at the end of the tunnel. Like I knew if I went with this company, similar to what you said, Bobby, mm-hmm. the opportunities that would prevail by working for Because you'll catch up. You'll catch up. Yeah, or different opportunities. Mm-hmm. That, or you're still in the game. Yeah, or yeah. 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 learn right. a new discipline. Uh, still in the game, I know, is a big thing that people definitely have to do at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's very important. Yeah, yeah. But yeah it, it's, it, it's just one of those things. I picked the jobs that paid less. Because I love the people, and I knew it's the a, opportunity. There it is, the people too, your boss, and mm-hmm. your peers. And, yeah, that's so. why I work for Trace. But like the opportunities that also could arise. So you yeah, can go your, be your a peers cog for Trace end up being my resources. Yeah, 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 yeah. I could be a cog in a wheel for another rig contractor. Mm-hmm. Or I could go somewhere, learn all about the different facets, mm-hmm. and have a, the ability to go that direction or that direction. HP goes, uh, no, publicly no, traded. No, publicly traded, you're not going to. But when I was with the smaller company in Dallas, then. This is all ours. Good luck. Did you do it, Bobby? We didn't get part of the well, but if the company spun off and sold, then you would get a proportionate share based on your original contract. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, they never, what while I was there, they never sold, so mm-hmm. I went to a. What do you think the, the best motivator for the, the young guys that are working? Yeah, come, come into oil and gas, please. What are you going to do? Bobby, uh, the company you work for is going to be job security, right? It's a big-ass company. you got a lot to do. Maybe you can go into different disciplines. Max? Staying up tall over there? Yeah, well, you know, I'm fourth generation oil and gas, all right? And I made it available for my kids to join. Um, only one of them chose to do so. I'm proud of all three of them. They're all very successful in their own right and everything. They're doing great. Um, one of them um, uh, chose to get in on the, the human resource side. And uh, after uh, working for three oil and gas companies in less than five years, she got out of the oil and gas business. Okay. <laughs> Lots of jersey. She had more jersey changes I than I did. Like, no, she's still in it. Yeah, now she's a stud, and she she had a um, uh, she was in a position that she can easily transport to any other industry, right? HR, you can go. Right. So she just is knocking it. She's crushing it now with another local group. So as far as the draw in, I've got to say you've got to be passionate about it somehow. Okay, because that's passionate it. Oh, why are you guys passionate, passionate about, about your engineering? What, what is that? Like, it, is Matt, why are you passionate about oil and gas? I think oil and gas is the um, epitome of solid gold energy. Like, it's the most, like, per, it's the perfect energy except for nuclear. Nuclear, none of us understand and really enjoy. So, we're going to continue to produce oil and gas for generations. My passion was. The people, your job, you know, just your satisfaction. I just love, you got it in drilling, completions. You get a scorecard every day, every morning. Everybody knows what you're doing. But I, you know, I didn't like the reservoir. I like production. Uh, but I want to see what's going on every day, you know, the act, activity-wise. Yes. And that's why, I, you know, it just... And oil and gas is just kind of a the attitude of people that you know can do. We can we can get this done and we teamwork. Solve, we solve our own solutions. You know, I I've been in it forty. I've been in it was forty years when I when I retired. But just some of the people that have mentored me, coached me, and led me. And I mean, I've you know talking about some well controls. I've but you got to have some great people out there that can respond to. 
tough situations too. So, so solving and oh. moving something forward. That's so, right. So engineers are engineers typically because they don't like people. Okay. So you have conflict in the world. You have man versus man. You have man versus nature. So first of all, you've got to have the personality to be a scientist, if you will, okay, or in that line of it. So being a teenager, I didn't know what I would fall in love with other than I'd been around the oil and gas piece of it from the service side of it because that's the previous two, two uh, generations. So if I was looking to fall in, something, in love with something, then why not petroleum engineering because they, they paid a lot of money. Yeah. So I got into it initially for money. Okay. Mm -hmm. But then I got into it from the standpoint as I continued to grow through it. I wanted to wake up every day thinking I could hit a home run. Yeah. yeah. I want to swing for the fence every day, you know. And so I'm not saying unnecessary risk, you know, literally. But it took a while to get out of a big corporation and then get into a small company. That was my dream, have my own operating company. And so I was able to get that done for one season of my life. But then it grew into a couple of just basically um, – uh, just philosophies. And one is, is that as we continue to grow, I want to be part of a generation that got this oil and gas business right and that we didn't have to send our young men and women over to the Middle East to defend Middle Eastern oil. We didn't want to have them die on that soil, be self-sufficient. So at least, at least mm -hmm. Bobby, me, and you guys can say also that you're part of a generation that got it right. Now we've got so much of it, they don't want it anymore, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So now the Too tide has turned, time. right? Even though we're getting ready to hit peak gas production, which means we're going to have a lot more oil production. And it's, you know, so anyway, you got to be, you got to have more than money as a reason for going after it. And for me, I wanted to get it right. So what's the future yeah. of oil and gas for you? For me, uh, I think I'm going to ride it as long as I can. Yeah. You know, I just hope when my head falls down on the desk, I don't, you know, poke <laughs> my eye with a pen, you know. Yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to. And I've done that. I, so I ran, a, I ran a. Yeah, I know you did. So Max and I are going to run the half marathon. We're going to run it. We're going to do that's it. That's where he's going to die. Yeah, I'll come, hopefully after the finish line a lot before. You know. Give me mouth to mouth. It's gonna be terrible. No, no. <laughs> what, what is the funnest you guys, uh, funnest thing you guys have done in the industry over your experience? Oh, that's fun. There we go. But the best, best memory, ever. Bobby. When when were you oh, like, wow. my gosh, this is fun. I'm changing. I'm doing good, or whatever it is. When was that for you, Bobby? There you're like, you probably did it right. Probably when I went from BHP Petroleum, which I just. Finished drilling deep water wells, uh, but I went over to Coastal where they had all the activity. The best boss I ever had, you know, he was the one that give you a project, walk out of your walk out of your office, and he would empower you. But he was his door was always open if he didn't know what. How did he give you a project, by the way? Did he just say, "Hey, Bobby, uh, I'm curious <laughs> if we could do this"? Back and then, then he walks was, out of the room. Back then, it was on a Lotus One Two Three spreadsheet, oh. and he said, "Okay, these are the wells." What is that? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I I know. Do you know what it is? <laughs> no, I don't know. What it is. Seriously? No. <laughs> No, I oh my gosh! Like XL. It, 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 it was. It, it, well, it was what enabled an engineer like Bobby and me to become an entrepreneur. What is it? It's a, it's like Excel. Excel. It's a spreadsheet. Uh, it's it's a, a computer. The advent of the computer in the uh, late '80s yeah. enabled me to go from a a corporate job to being a one man shop because I had a computer. I can then type. I had a word processor. I had an Excel spreadsheet. I had a dot matrix printer. Uh, you know the Harvard whole, graphics yeah, instead of PowerPoint. I had a sumographics <laughs> uh, uh, sketch where I could integrate maps. Uh -huh. Oh yeah, that, that was that technology revolutionized it. All right, but, so Bobby, you you had this well, new I, technology and a boss that empowered you. Well, and we uh, we always. The way they did it at Coastal, you would get two or three 
jackups and four or five land rigs. So as an engineer going over there as an engineer, and you may have six or seven rigs running at one time. And then I went to engineering manager to drilling manager, but it was the same way. So you were, but when you had a problem, it was usually the land rigs kind of got pushed aside because most of the problems were going to be offshore because of the spread rate. And the money, yeah. Oh, the money is just, yeah, high dollar. But uh, no, you just learn so much. And then El Paso took them over and it was the same way. I Then I was, a, they called it a director, but it's kind of like a team lead. But you had drilling managers working for you. But yeah, we were, you know, we probably had 20, 25 rigs. And, so it was and, offshore. Offshore is now where this, you had uh, With fun. El Paso, I was just doing South Texas Deep Vicksburg, Wilcox, all high pressure stuff, some depletion, Frio, but then also at Coastal, what was pretty cool, we had five coastal drill rigs that we, that Coastal owned, and neighbors, Gray Wolf and Patterson provided the crews, but I was res responsible for them, and this is back when rig rates were nine, $10,000 a day, but we still made, you know, five or six million dollars a year on. Sure you know, after uh, after tax and everything. Mm -hmm. So it, it was very profitable, but that was really, uh, really pretty cool too, just to be able to work on along with your, but it just, uh, drawing those those Dixburg wells, you know, I, I had a plot one time, it's like the top 10 wells that we brought in. This is, they're drilling vertical wells and have multiple, multiple, you know, pay, you know, down in the valley, nobody was drilling past 10,000 feet, and these were 16, 17,000 uh, feet with 17 pound, 18 pound mud weights. And with the, the flow rate, you know, they pump, they'd frack all these different sand, but they'd be 100 million in a day wells. And, you know, they obviously mm -hmm. declined, but it, it was uh, amazing how much, we got a B, BCF a day down there drilling those those Vicksburg wells. So just a lot of fun being a oh, part of this. Oh, just dynamic. Everyone's making oh, money. And it was Everyone's great, having a good time. Great people, and you know, it was just a good atmosphere. And mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah, I, that was always my my favorite job mm -hmm. down in down in Houston. Max, what about you? When when did you go? Oh, man, yeah. that's fun. Well, there was uh, there was a bunch of them. So I'm over there trying to catalog <laughs> hey, them. Got 11 jerseys. You know, yeah, I, got I got a lot of jerseys. Others, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say one of my first ones was uh, when I started my own operating company, and I was uh, driving westbound uh, on a county road, and I'm coming up over a hill, and off to the right uh, was Allen Rig 5, and off to my left was a workover rig, and both of those were on my wells, and I was running the whole thing, you know. And so it was just really cool just dry, rolling up on it, and just I, I just had – Goosebumps, and, you know. Yeah, I'm drilling that. I'm yeah, gonna provide this. Over here. I'm doing that. Yeah, and the rig was on the company maker. The workover rig was on the company maker. Because usually when you launch, yeah, there's a certain event that happens that enables you to cascade and propel forward. And this particular one was a Smiley, a one nine is the name of it. And um, anyway, that was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, so given why? The, yeah. What's that? Why? Why were you like? Why was it? Because it was a dream. I did all It was a dream. Yeah. You know, and so we get back to me. I did all this here a little bit later. You did it, right? You did it. I mean, your boss was like, "Finally, you." No, it was me. It was my operating company. I was just. I was a one-man show. I was running it. That was just all. Had investors. I put it up. There was another one that was a lot of fun in December of '05. I don't know if you guys recall the the blowout or all the. The surface uh, escapes of methane gas around Okarchi and everything. Uh, that was from the Edmondson Trust 133 that Chesapeake had. They had a downhole blowout 
uh, I was with Dominion at the time. Stroud uh, 15A was right over there. We were in the Mississippi. I was planning a recompletion to come up in that morrow. Chesapeake got had a downhole blowout because they didn't send an immediate. I mean, it was a it was just such a crazy show. Okay, people talking from West Texas about how gas comes up and everybody the politics and the smoke they got oh, put out yeah. was crazy. So in the meantime, I go into my boss at the corner office and said, "I can handle this. You just have to stay out of my way." And so he goes, "Go after it." And so in less than um, eight days, I had five flow lines coming out of our well without ever stopping it. We're going to three different pipeline pressures, 1,000 pounds, 500 pounds, and 100 pounds. We never shut that well in. In the 30 days uh, for the month of um, January in 2006, we made a BCF out of that well. Okay, mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the gas started dissipating, you know, and Chesapeake was able to get their you know, arms around it. Nobody ever acknowledged. I never got a thank you card. I never got a Christmas card. Nothing <laughs> saying that, hey, thank you for handling that. You know, as our gas migrated through the flower mounds, shale, and was outcropping in all these creeks and these wheat fields and stuff like that. But uh, then making 600 barrels of oil a day gravy out of that. Mm. And so I was given a presentation from the whole corporation. And I said, the best thing my management did, uh, the division manager did, was just stay out of my way. You know, and he, and he came over after that. He had his hand up, and he just stuck it out. He goes, that's the best compliment you could have given me. You know, so I go, okay, well, I'm not trying to kiss up, but you did a good job staying out of the way. You know, so he just said, let me have it. And that means a lot on something of that yeah. magnitude. Yeah, yeah. That was a lot of fun. And then, yeah. then, but the public doesn't know it. Yeah. You know, the public doesn't know it. Um, what, what should the public know? Like, okay, so I'm going to wrap this up pretty quick. Okay. What, what should we do as an industry for the next generation and the public? What can, what can we do to make oil and gas, you know, great again? You're seeing it from all sides. Like, we're battling right now. We're battling a reputation of, you know, a current president, you know, throughout, well, oil and gas, they, they have pipeline leaks everywhere, and, you know, I think it's oil's dirty, and, and... Which is not the case, but what can we do as an industry to fix everything? I think oil and gas is just a negative connotation. I I think, you know, what Inventive did, or in Canada did, to Inventive was to get away from the oil and gas title and can look at it energy. more as an energy company. Affordable, uh, reliable. Yeah, abundant. clean. Safe, affordable, Safe. reliable. Yeah, I think uh, I think you gotta. We probably just don't promote education. Uh, yeah, and I think with these emissions, I mean that's what that ESG. That one of the subsets of that is to eliminate mm -hmm. fossil fuels, and which. Well, it's not possible, right? Because green hydrogen is still. Uh, oh, oh, gas. But what are you gonna do about you know fifty percent of the consumption on oil is uh, transportation worldwide. Then you got ships, you got airplanes. What are you going to convert to? What is the, you know, I read something this morning saying 22nd century, everything will be depleted. Is that really true? I think deep water is probably going to come into play with the, those high volume wells in the future, which is not figured in the depletion rate. But uh, should, just we, look, should we be drilling deep water wells? I think you're gonna really no. No, I don't think so. I, don't I think you're gonna have no, to someday. I, I hope not. So, yeah. I, I don't want it. Yeah, well, ec when economics dictate, yeah. right? You know, but now yeah, this the economics don't dictate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's but, a lot of pro projects. That yeah, go but on. we need to be we need to be uh, less offended. Okay, 
Wait, we oil and gas? Yeah. We just, the bottom line is the Greens are getting it figured out that they're not ready for prime time. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a long time. So just take a deep breath, be cordial, be informative, don't be argumentative, but just show up, do your job, and excel at it. And we're going to have a, the, the need for oil and gas for a long time. Next, because the, what is our responsibility on that? No, no, no. What is our responsibility on that? Because we, we're providing the petrol or the fuel uh-huh. of some sort. Uh-huh. But every single thing in the Yeah, yeah, but not necessarily the emissions. We're not, yeah. we're not the emissions. Right, it's someone else that is burning all the energy we're providing. Well, but we're also refining stuff. I was looking at this the other day. You know, we talked about um, it was on Squawk Box and it had the hospitals and how struggling they were, and there was a commercial on going green. And I'm over there going, I would like for somebody, some artist, to take a snapshot in the hospital and highlight everything that's made out of hydrocarbons in that entire picture. Oh, the needles. The needles that we're using to get shot, COVID shots. Well, are we doing this wrong, though? No, no, I'm asking a question. Well, electric electric cars, look at all the plastic that's come from petrochemicals. We're being demonized for providing the fuel, but Uh not the... uh, We're being demonized for the emissions Uh of the fuel that someone else is burning. So where is our liability in this? Uh, Should the companies that are burning it be more efficient with it? Well... You know, yeah, we're all we're all trying to get better. I mean, there's just no doubt. I don't think I've met any anybody in the oil and gas industry says, "Wow, you know, I'm sure I'm glad I'm polluting every day." No, they're trying to do the best they can. Yeah. you know, so I think you just keep your you keep a sensible mind on the forward progress of the thing. You well, know, you can only do what you can do. Yeah, so, but we're being demonized for providing the spectrum, not how it's burned. just let it happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's happening? Oil is at eighty two, eighty three. I didn't look at what it did well, today. And Richard Spears can go up. We're yeah, really. Oh, I'm just going to keep. I'm, I'm, I'm the hundred dollar guy. I'm the hundred dollar club. Oh, I think, I think wait, so too. Wait, go to I think it'll be the end of this year. Yeah. Wait, yeah. wait. We should. We we need to have a little pot of money here for future people when they come in. I don't no, no. It's a, I think. I think it'll be this a dollar year. bill. I'll put my prediction on it. Dollar bill. I'll sign my name. I'll put it in there. Where is your dollar bill? Well, let me get. Let me get it out of my crypto account. Did you have crypto? You got crypto? I I believe. Okay, I believe. Are you, are, do you have any hashes on your well size yet? No. Let's talk. Okay, bye. I got, I got the guy. What do you believe? Okay. What do you believe by the way? I, I believe that uh, that we can no longer ignore the role of crypto in our society. That uh, from a position standpoint. I'm not a guy that would pick an individual crypto, but I believe that some type of a mutual or ETF that represents a certain blend of them uh, is similar to a, a financial portfolio, just like exploration is to a oil and gas company's portfolio. So, so mm-hmm. crazy. Uh, so crazy. Do you have any wells are you guys operating right now? The same answer from before. Yeah, I know. No, you asked that one. My drink didn't change my answer. If you have that, you know, I was asking you, how many of those are flaring right now? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that we need to get you another drink. But if you put a hash on one of those, you're taking it a problem. Well, yeah. Well, I, I see what you're saying. Well, I'm and I'm all for that. Uh, where we had stranded gas, that where it, may, where it makes sense to do it, I am all for looking at those options. But when the, the, the amount of emissions uh, that's being combusted is so stinking slow, low, mm-hmm. it's just gonna, you know, yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Of, is so stinking low acceptable? Not, well, if, not, if, no, not if it doesn't make if it doesn't make sense to 
for the investment of putting the equipment out there to make it money, a rate of return, I'd say from a Bitcoin mining standpoint or from a crypto mining standpoint, I don't know. To me, it's just maybe you guys need to educate me more, but if it doesn't make dollars well, and dollars okay, cents, so I don't know. Crypto is making between 15 and 30 MCF. No, no. I, have to look there, I don't know. It's no, outside no, of my mind. You're talking about, though, no, right? no, no, Bobby, you're talking about the, the bare, bare minimum to operate a generator on site mm -hmm. and then to power a server farm or data miners, what they're called. So you're just saying how much gas is the bare minimum to oh, operate to a couple operate that? Yeah, yeah. So that, that's kind of hmm. a vague thing. And I don't know what crypto will take over. But like, I, I, I'm not going to say it's going to take over, but I'm going to say it needs to be paid attention to. Why? And it's worth an investment. Because yeah. it's got so much momentum behind it. So Why what you're talking the, about is the money behind it, not the principles behind it, but the money behind it. Can I, get, can I get back to my oil and gas? I have 42 years of oil no and gas. Z is less than one in crypto. So. <laughs> no waste. Or, you know, you know, no, zero carbon, right? No waste. We can put out a mine. Well, uh, but if you're doing anything crypto, you're you're generating a digital currency mm -hmm. that is not a tangible asset by any means. It's just this thing digitally that you exists. think dollars are tangible assets right now. Yeah. You, you just lost your other uh, viewer. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Hey, right. we're, we're ending this. By uh, the way, we yeah, you got to get these guys. Man, I really enjoyed hearing your guys' passions by uh, the way and why you're in this. That yeah. is awesome. Bobby was staring off and remembering. When it was really crazy. Well, you know, one other story, is, which was really kind of, I enjoyed is when I was at Remington, which is a Dallas company, all they did was Gulf Mexico. But 2005, Katrina hit, and then uh, Rita hit, you know, real close together, August, September. But we lost three rowing rigs uh, that were on platforms that got knocked over. But it, we also had several platforms, tripods, but there was a year that it, I was just using lift boats and jackups and and wells that were laid over on the seabed and doing hot tapping and plugging them, mm. which uh, what I, I really I, at the time really enjoyed the the everything I was learning on deep sea you know divers and you know, we had mudline trees that had anchor chains got pulled over and you know put them over mm -hmm. on the seabed so yeah it was a it was an interesting time of just doing the Everything in the there P &A. is interesting as well. Like, we're going to go to, from that to unmanned rigs. So mm -hmm. our, our technology is... Oh, well, yeah, there's a lot of unmanned uh, oh, wow. rigs for P&As. And, and, uh, yeah, yeah. our, our, the feature of our oil and gas is, you know, going to be ex extraordinary. There's always going to be room for and space for oil and gas. It's just going to be, we're, all we're doing is changing. That's it. That's something yeah. we didn't touch on was Orphan Wells. I, oh, 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 okay, well, next podcast. Wait, yeah, yeah, Bobby, you can come back. Anytime <laughs> anybody wants to talk for two more hours. You know, and I asked you guys about your passion. No one's listening at this point, but I yeah, do yeah. want to tell you about when I got passionate about oil and gas. Nobody cares. Nobody cares at all. But I can tell you, uh, like, uh, how I got in oil and gas was super random. I was in the military, got out, and this was the first job that paid the best, working on MWE tools. And then some company offered me a job to go work for them, and I was an MWD hand. But eventually I made it to a, a directional driller. And I'll tell you, the most fun, it was so much fun, because, you know, uh, and I was 90% uh, of my career as a directional hand, was a, a night hand. 
So all the chiefs were asleep. It was just the Indians, right? It was all the guys doing all the work. I don't know if that's that's politically... I can't say that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. All the guys... Finally, I have to end. It's no problem. No, but all the guys that were in charge were asleep. So at night, I was just this night hand. And if you give me... So I was right at the cusp of the change for PDC and Tricom in Alfalfa County, Oklahoma. Mm. Most of my directional experience is there. But they, they gave us bits, and we kept trying with PDCs for Chesapeake to try to do a, an entire curve. And when we landed one, oh my gosh. But a, a PDC changes everything from a tricone. A tricone is uh-huh. you set the weight, and you fucking let it do its thing. But a PDC is figure out how to get it to cut. Uh-huh. Right? So if you could get that bend through it and get it to start sliding, all of a sudden you're doing 130 foot an hour, 200 foot an hour, where before you were only doing 30 to 40 feet an hour so if you could hold it and you had to figure out how to not let too much weight hit the bit uh but figure out this median and at night i'm just watching it slide i'm getting over 200 foot and i'm playing with all the parameters Uh on the top drive to to make sure it held that weight and because i figure out when it would it, it would actually all the weight would stack and then it would stop but when you could drill a curve at 200 foot in an hour and just having a blast up there, just the only guy, and you're yeah. sitting uh-huh. there playing with the computer nonstop, <laughs> adjusting the differential parameters, and just uh-huh. doing all this stuff. Uh-huh. That's the most fun I ever had. Oh, cool. I enjoyed it so much. And, but I was the one. I was the guy out there, uh-huh. my uh, very close to the bed. Granted, it was two miles underground, but yeah. I was the guy that was steering that thing, uh-huh. and I was keeping it digging when other people couldn't. That uh-huh. was the most fun I ever had. Oh, when they cool. wake up in the morning. Yeah, yeah, they're like, oh my gosh, you made you made sixty degrees, right? All of a sudden, you're almost done with the curve, and it was that was the most fun I ever had. Sweet, sweet. out on the bed, just watching it and making that damn thing drill. Cool. Yeah, that's any fun. fun sense, by the way. Nah, it's all fun. <laughs> yeah. I like money, you know, yeah. so I, I enjoy it. Yeah. So anyway, that that is my little story. So. All right, well, we're wrapping this up. I love you, buddy, mm-hmm. and I'm so glad we're all in this together. Hey, uh, anybody want to, like, shout out? Oh, gosh, guys, before we run out of here, so uh, the AAD uh-huh. is having an immense trouble getting engineers to it, but every, every so one has... a new president. Well, they're looking for a new president. No, but either, all these societies, these local mm-hmm. Oklahoma societies, need young engineers to participate instead of the damn service companies. Mm-hmm. Guys, what do we have to do to get companies mm-hmm. to... In Canada, where are you guys pushing your young engineers or, yeah. to get involved in the local advocacy group? Max, are you, I mean, are you guys doing anything to, to make he, sure they're Well, he, he and I are part of the Oldfield Christian Fellowship, so yeah, we have I, to find our place. Bobby, did you encourage and would allot them time to go to these? Oh, yeah. Yeah, AD, AADE or SBE. Or, it's good for them. I mean, but it, you didn't put it on their performance appraisal that, that they must or they shall go, but, you know, encourage them to, but, you know, they, they all have families and their own time. And Do you think it's uh, necessary, all yeah. these groups? Oh. They're think, the ones that are missing out. Do they help? It's an yeah. investment. All right, guys. Yeah. So, as leaders in the industry. Mm-hmm. Networking. I mean, that's Push these you, guys that's, to do it more. Like, what do we yeah. got to do? Like, uh, my buddy called, and someone called him to ask him to lead the AAD because they can't find any engineers that'll do it. So you're getting a ton of service companies, but you're not getting a lot of it's, involvement. What do we got to do? Guys? It's not. It's not just Oklahoma it's society. City. It's Dallas, Houston. Why? It's society. What is it? Okay. Everybody. Is it? Everybody's what being their own do, guy. Guys? Everybody's being their own guy anymore. It's yeah. this thing. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just everybody huddled up in their own little world. And um, man, Max, this thing is a world. That, that is your 
That is your ability to say, hey, well, what he else did, say there? What else yeah, say there? His people to come to our you know, first of all, I got a small shop. Yeah. I mean, super small shop. He's like, I think over lunch yeah. is lunch that works a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Cause people get, have kids activities yeah, and yeah. family. So at night, sometimes it's a little more difficult. Do you think but, you motivated your people to participate in these societies? Oh yeah. I, you know, you try to, when I was in Calgary, we would go to and see ADE up there, but yeah, we all kind of go together as a group. Uh, same as uh, when I was in Houston and Dallas. But yeah, you try to to encourage them. And from a corporate uh, side, did you pay for it? Oh yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the, the, the corporate side. These young so, engineers, yeah. I mean, you know, they're trying to keep up with the Joneses and buy all the shit. So yeah. uh, like, it has to be almost corporate sponsored. Service companies is corporate sponsored. Max, what do you do? Well, you know, so once again, we're a super, we're a super small shop right Max, now. Max, you got an engineer though, right? No, you don't. No, I don't. No, I'm, no, I'm, I'm the youngest guy at my right office. Youngest and oldest, yeah. I'm the youngest guy. <laughs> I got two you other part-time engineers, and uh, I'm the youngest guy. Yeah. So yeah, I go. So. But you do believe in this part? Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. The the companies. I'm, I'm. You know, so you guys say something, and my mind starts reeling. So the the publicly traded companies, you know. That uh, that had a staff, yeah, definitely encouraged that kind of stuff. Because I was suppressed when I was younger, and the reason why I was suppressed when I was younger is because people didn't want you to network enough and become too valuable, because then they would lose you. Mm -hmm. Going to these lunches and these networking is an investment for yourself. And too many times, the easier thing to do is to get in a corner and check your phone. Is what I'm finding, and maybe that I can't paint everybody with the same brush. But the ones that are more, uh, say, active and interactive are the ones in the future that are going to become more the leaders, if you sort of speak. And so uh, that's my feeling. And I encourage my kids to do that in their own professions. Mm-hmm. Just really do. Mm-hmm. Some of them are better than others, but some of them is just a personality. Ergo, engineers don't like people. Right. That's not right. Right. It's yeah, man, it's not and I say that tongue-in-cheek, yeah. right? Yeah. That's why we're scientists, is because we like Science. nature and data. We don't like interacting with people. Okay. In but general, I know it sounds bad, but that's... Every, I mean, by all means, all my friends... You're not blowing any free... I know, I know, but I'm just, I'm not, not trying to talk negatively. It's just we're not geared that way, I think, in general. But, but you know, you just loosen up, and all eventually you see it. I know wonderful people, and then yeah. you get guys like Jeremiah, who's like, rubs you the wrong way. <laughs> But yeah. you, know, you can learn, especially if somebody's operating in the same. You can troubleshoot, you know, have common problems that you can solve together and improve your performance. I mean, that's the bottom line. You're wanting to, as engineers, most of them are fairly competitive, and they want to, they want that performance to be going down. So you can, you can meet somebody and exchange notes and ideas, and uh, you know, we were drilling eaglebine wells and kind of. Central Texas, Robinson County, and kind of Eagle Fur, Woodbine, but EOG was kicking our butts. And so I, I saw an EOG engineer at the, I don't know, it was AED or some gathering. And I said, man, what are you doing? The, and he said, oh, it's the auto driller. He said, we're just putting that ROP opened up and we're cramming the weight to it. And we, we changed that and, and we started, you know, drilling eight, nine day whales like they were. But, you know, we were 11 or 12 days. So. But, yeah, you can just learn and improve your performance by uh, 
Just talking to well, the competitors. You guys are the seasoned uh, guys that are working for these companies. Please continue to encourage them. Matt is on, I don't know how many boards. I'm oh. only on one, <laughs> but we're not getting enough participation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of time, it, it would appear that they're not getting the allotment of time. Whether it be over lunch or something like that. But it, it's a two-hour lunch. It's mm -hmm. a three-hour lunch or something like Depends that. Depends on what they have going events. on. Yeah. yeah. But uh, they're not getting supported by the companies either. You know, maybe a, a part of that is private equity. So private equity wants to get in and out, so they don't want to invest that much. But uh, the societies are all floundering. So yeah. we need yeah. to Across the board. more in them. Yeah. You also got to remember about, uh, compared to 2014-ish, I'm going to say roughly about 75% of the people are out of the business. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there's a lot fewer people to carry the ball. Well, we're going to, because of this show, we're going to encourage a lot of, you know, younger generation, you know, people up and coming with what's their next career move. It's going to be oil and gas. So final words between, you know, our expert leaders, what do you want to say to everybody that is out there looking for a career? Is oil and gas your place? I'm not going to say yes or no. I'm just going to say whatever you do, bring it with passion, and you will succeed at anything you do if you believe in it and you're passionate about it. So if for some reason oil and gas is in your path, jump all over it, and you'll make it work. Return on investment, our industry is the best, right? Well, that's why I got in it uh, years ago, and I'm not really seeing a lot different right now. Maybe a lot of things have changed, but uh, that's other than the people that went to play professional sports coming out of UT, Petroleum engineering was the number one paid job. So, it, but it also, once again, it provides, do it for the right reasons. Do it mm -hmm. for the, 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 the satisfaction and the story that you're going to be involved with everything that gets made around here. You know, those syringes that put uh, vaccines, if you're a vaxxer, uh, the, the ability to uh, paint a, a room, uh, uh, just or whatever, I My guess, VOCs. Your cars, your wheels, the top. And I can shoot deer because of it. Okay, or you know, you have you have rubber on the tires, and nobody's gonna nobody's gonna take that away from you in an electric car. And that rubber requires some hydrocarbon. Yeah, nobody's gonna take that away. No, he 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 said it very well. But I think you gotta you gotta just like sports, athletics. You gotta have passion. You gotta have desire and want and to improve. You gotta be competitive. And yeah, you it is it does pay well. I mean, I raised three kids as well, and it's. You know, had a great wife, you know, that stood by me for all these 40 years. So. Traveling and everything yeah, else that comes so, with it, yeah. But now I think uh, if it's a desire to go into it, like he said, it's going to be, you know, I remember in 1970-some, they said that oil would be depleted and gone by 2022. I just saw that online there the other day. and I, But... It keeps pushing. They're going to technology advancement and learning. Look at unconventionals, what they've done to the industry. You know, how many times they said they're going to re peak oil and it's still not there. Re rewrite that. Yeah. yeah. I, think, yeah. I really I think it's a renewable resource, but that's a, a whole other story. So you guys are always welcome guests in here and uh, we can touch on that topic again in the future. Jeremiah, got anything? I don't. Yeah. I don't. I really enjoyed you guys. Well, thank oh, you for hosting us. I mean, Enjoyed it. Two, two, of my, two of my favorite people <laughs> on the planet came in here today. I'm like, I'm so excited we have these guys. Mm -hmm. So I really, really love you both. I uh, appreciate you. God bless you both for being in this industry. My friends, um, I, I can't rely on you enough for all the knowledge. Max, uh, 
Love you, buddy. Yeah. Bobby, and both of you are extremely uh, important to me, and uh, I hope that, and how do people get a hold of you? You you both are on LinkedIn, huh? right? Yeah. right? Reach out to you. Anybody that has questions about oil and gas or just leadership and, you know, oil and, you know, just operations in general, mm-hmm. the, these oh, two are amazing. And, and I'll just say that, too. If anybody wants to talk, I... I'm free, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I would love to talk operations. Bobby's quad time retired. Yeah, quad time. Yeah, yeah. 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 anybody that wants to reach out to Bobby and do a little project with yeah. him, he knows what he's doing. He's yeah. super personal too. I yeah. highly recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. Max that. is okay too. Max yeah. is all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, the the fun thing is, I got to say thank you to you guys for what you all do in the industry too. Oh. You're over here trying to churn it. You're trying to do things to really bring the light on the right part of the oil and gas business. So thank you for everything you guys do. I'm in this spot, and like we got this podcast studio. And I'm like, I want to get back to our industry. Yeah. Like, let's let's no, all be able to and you, yeah. and you, you know, your your faith is obvious, uh, Matt, and I appreciate that. My salvation story came through the oil and gas business yeah. in 1998. Love to share that with you guys sometime uh, if, if when it's the right time. So, get back in here anytime you want. Okay. And God's been good to me, and, and there's no other blessing than being with you through right now. So all right. I'm excited. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Jeremiah. Thank you, Bobby. Right now. No, thank you. Get back to the families. We'll see you guys next time. Look up the Talking Heads 2022, show. our first show. Max Holloway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We have amazing you know, guests in the future. Will you please like, recommend to your other friends like come in here and uh, hang out with us? No, they won't. Sure. <laughs> please. <laughs> take care. God bless you. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.